Welcome to the Six Figure Practice Podcast. I'm Sasha Raskin, and I'm the founder of the Six Figure Practice, which is a private practice accelerator program, a business school for helpers just like you, and a community for helpers such as counselors and coaches who are building their private practice. I'm a counselor and a coach, and my mission is to help helpers thrive while changing their clients' lives for the better. If you're looking for inspiring stories of helpers who build a successful private practice already, if you'd like to discover how to create your own perfect clients, if you're wondering what are the marketing strategies you need to be using, and most importantly, how to combine helping others and thriving yourself, you will find all of this and more in this podcast, together with many free resources on our website at thesixfigurepractice.com. T-H-E, the number six, figurepractice.com. And if you'd like to brainstorm together how to grow your private practice on your own or by joining our Accelerator program, simply sign up for a free consultation call on our website. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Sasha. I'm looking forward for our conversation today. So, um, as you know, the listener, uh, our podcast uh, is mostly about tips and inspiring stories for therapists Mm -hmm. and coaches to help you in your journey, Uh, both in terms of what to do, how to do to grow your private practice, but also to hear from other therapists that know the road ahead and maybe expand uh, kind of the range of possibilities of what's out there and what your journey can include. And uh, Nicole, we connected with you, uh, in uh, on, I think on Facebook, and uh, when you mentioned all the things you've done, I was, okay, this is the perfect person to interview for my podcast. So take it away and maybe say a few words about who you are, who you help, what do you do? Well, at the core of all of it, I um, am a person, (laughs) but I'm a psychotherapist and I do private practice. And uh, my private practice is with individuals um, with an existential um, psychodynamic, humanistic kind of foundation, really. And mm-hmm. um, and in addition to seeing my individual clients, my journey has been uh, with technology. And of course, that's expanded dramatically recently um, with the pandemic. But I started back with that um, almost a decade ago. So um, long before everyone was Zooming when there was just Skype mm-hmm. <laughs> and just texting. I started out uh, with a focus on online therapeutic practice. And that's been a core of my work, which I still see clients online today. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you were one of the pioneers. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's so important. It's been such a common uh, thing in coaching, right? Just phone calls for decades already. And then uh, video calls and uh, it's kind of sounds like you were uh, 
a big, uh, you had a big influence with your projects that you were involved with, with bringing it into therapy, which allows so many uh, well, flexibilities in terms of working with rural areas, for example, that don't mm -hmm. have any therapist around them. Uh, yeah. So uh, maybe rewind. Uh, what do you remember from beginning your private practice uh, before we get to the exciting uh, stuff like your involvement with uh, basically f one of the founders of uh, Talk Therapy, right? The mm -hmm. Yeah, Talk Space. The talk Space. I worked with them for years. Yeah. Yes. Now, uh, people who are listening to this uh, podcast interview and thinking how to start a private practice mm -hmm. and want to learn from what you know what do you remember about that period, that first year or first half a year? Yes, it was it was a little bit of a strange story, actually. I was working, um, you know, I live in St. Augustine Beach, Florida, which mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of a smallish area. It's growing. But at the time, it was quite small. And I was working in a community mental health practice, very, you know, uh, and really a lot of people from rural areas would come and I saw the barriers that people had to getting and maintaining healthcare, you know, mental health care. Really, just to see a therapist was a challenge. So it, it wasn't very inspiring work. And then, of course, uh, with some funding issues, the place where I worked as an employee went out of business. They had to close suddenly. Interesting. And that was really disheartening as an idealist uh, young therapist who wanted yep. to change the world. And then all of a sudden I'm out of a, out of a job. And it, it was so, it was so uh, not what I expected or wanted the, it to be like. And so I found myself with a colleague of mine who also had just lost her job there uh, sitting on my living room floor <laughs> Uh, you know, like a couple of days after the place had closed suddenly, and what are we going to do? And of course, those patients that we saw there, um, we didn't want to abandon them. Uh, they they suddenly didn't know where to go, and yep. um, and we had done the outpatient portion of that, and so even though we didn't really have much and we're frightened, we said, you know, we can rent some office space and let's just roll up our sleeves and get to work. Mm -hmm. help any of the people that, that couldn't be served by this mm -hmm. anymore so that we can help them at least somehow and see if we can grow a practice. And so it was really out of necessity Interesting. that I started private mm -hmm. practice. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and not expecting to take that way at all. Mm -hmm. and, and but it was good. It was good. It was necessary. And around this same time was when I uh, was on Facebook, and uh, it was a little bit before the place actually closed. And I had seen um, a Facebook post by Dr. Urban Yalom that said that talked about uh, this new um, his his experience in on online therapy through Skype. Uh -huh. Somebody was trying to do something more with it, and it was called Toctala at the time. And if any therapists were interested in contacting the founder um, to get involved, they could. And I did. I, it was interesting. It was sheer interest that made me um, 
pursue it. And also the fact of this previous experience that I saw how many people weren't getting care. And I knew from taking graduate courses online that this was possible. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, why not give it a whirl? Yeah. (laughs) And it was very small. And so as I'm working my private practice and helping here in person locally, I was also helping with that. And of course it was so early stage. There were only a few people mm-hmm. and uh, there's no money involved at that point. It was, out, it was sure like uh, just inspiration for wanting mm. to see where something could go and how it could be built and, and uh, what problems could be solved. Yeah. I love that, Nicole. So two projects that you started that uh, good things came out of it, uh, the uh, talk space, and it was uh, called differently back then, and uh, your private practice. Mm -hmm. You know, when uh, I talk to counselors, especially before they uh, joined our private practice accelerator, the six-figure practice program, there is this fear, um, unless they already have been in private practice for a while, the fear of starting something new. Right, it's the and if uh, if we look at the uh, business life cycle, just like families have life cycles and humans have that first initial step, right? The the birth, it's uh, it's around like the big thing. There is risk and the perception of risk, right? Do I go all in and try this thing out and do I make it happen, right? Or do I go with whatever feels like? Uh, feels like the safest option, which, uh, like in your case, wasn't a safe option, right? I get, I get the you know a safe uh, job, and then they close yeah. out of a sudden. So, can you tell me how were you able to start two new projects despite, well, with the private practice probably uh, some fears around will it work? Right? Or should I go and maybe work at a different agency? And the the other thing, getting involved with a new project, uh, I don't know. I assume some counselors might think when they see a post like this from Dr. Yalom, who am I to even, you know, reach out, right? Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the imposter syndrome that can kick in. How did you, yeah, how did you work with starting something new? in both of those cases? Oh, goodness. I I think for myself, uh, I've always been a little bit of an explorer and extremely curious. Uh Uh-huh. And so that probably helped me uh, as a kind of resiliency into that. But really out of just the need of other people, I I wasn't really so much thinking about the risks that I had to take. Mm -hmm. I was thinking initially when, when these people wouldn't be served, I worried about them. I worried about others. I love it. What are you going to do to help them? Mm -hmm. And knowing just that there's, and I think this is true in, in mental health care. There's just so many people that need help that aren't getting it. You Mm -hmm. have a place if you're a therapist, you really do. I love that. You can help someone. Mm-hmm. How you grow that is up to you because the area is so vast. Mm-hmm. There's almost too much possibility that you have to kind of, you know, because as I grew, I had to realize I have to make choices here. 
And as, you know, businesses grow, they have to kind of know like who, what populations do they want to work with? Uh, what do they, do they want to specialize? How does that look like? And so um, really it was, I was just propelled by, by helping other people. I wish I could say that, I mean, maybe the risk, I was a little bit younger, maybe I wouldn't take the same risk today, but mm -hmm. knowing myself, I, I may just do it, you know? Yeah. But it had to inspire me. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you focused on helping other people versus on your own inner process. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? I'm sorry. For better or worse. Yeah. Uh, one of my co coaches, Takimori, he says, uh, when you get anxious about your business not going as fast as you want or just not going, just focus on service, right? And on helping mm -hmm. people because that's what it's all about and that's what it's based on. So, uh, you know, mm, I recorded this podcast episode and, and it had, I gave it, you know, a slightly provocative title to get uh, slightly more attention, right? Uh, it's selfish uh, of you not to start your private practice, just, uh, you know, but mm -hmm. the idea there is uh, whether it's private practice or an agency, if you already put in right, three years as a therapist in training, or even if you're a coach and there are some really good coaching programs out there. And uh, then after all this effort and the hundreds of hours in internship, you're deciding to play small, right? And not go and, you know, work in the profession. In a way, it's a disservice to all the potential clients you could be helping. And it, it's just a waste and it's a shame. Honestly, yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everybody needs to find their place of who, what, you know, what types of people they work with best. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Service, but I think that it is a shame. Mm -hmm. At least trying, right? Yeah, yeah. At, for yeah. science sake. <laughs> for science sake. And, and uh, you know, at the, at the heart of it, you know, some throughout the course of my life, I've had helpers along the way. Yes. And uh, that's such a valuable piece to this is that we're here to help others. Mm -hmm. and, and then in turn, you know, maybe not in, from the same source, it's, it's given back. Yeah, I love that. What would you say uh, after starting your private practice and uh, getting involved with Talkspace at the beginning stages of it, well, your, was your next milestone? in growing in your profession, in your private practice, in any and, other projects you yeah, got involved yeah. with? Yeah, well, when I worked for Talkspace, I worked as a contractor the whole time. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the way most startups work, although I was working exclusively, exclusively with them. And I think the, the next kind of milestone was feeling almost in the beginning, like was a little bit of an imposter syndrome like what right do i have to yes um try to do this mm -hmm. and uh and then luckily you know i i ended up working with dr yalom you know with her for years we would have a um video conference one mm. for an hour um every other week for years mm -hmm. and he was an, a wonderful <laughs> um colleague and mentor and friend and that relationship, uh, working relationship, really uh, ended up 
changing who I am mm-hmm. as a therapist and yeah. my work and greatly influenced me. And of course, then uh, once the company grew to a certain point, it, it, all good things must come to an end. And mm-hmm. I, I decided to take an exit and, uh, and was then started to, because I think it's very important for people who are in, in private practice to have someone who is a clinical supervisor or anchor or, yes. or at least a group that they meet with mm-hmm. uh, to, because as therapists, we need that. And you, it, you would languish if you were alone. And so I, I, I do work with uh, Ruth Ellen Josselson, who um, Irv works with, but you know, he's very, old now and has other projects. So I started mm-hmm. working with her and, um, and then working with other uh, startups and businesses uh, consulting in the, you know, online behavioral health space. Yeah, I love that. So your relationship with uh, Dr. Yalom was around Talkspace or was it more supervisor, supervisee or colleagues? It was around talk space uh-huh. and, and the development of, you know, if you're going to create a company with this, you know, although online therapy or remote therapy has been done for a long, long time. I mean, if we trace it back, you know, I, I think Jung had letters he wrote to a, a patient <laughs> through snail mail, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then of course, you, you know, therapists have kind of grappled with this uh, through the phone and things like that. But if you're going to make it with technology nowadays and, yeah. it, and you're going to scale it, you need to make sure that it's done you know, obviously ethically, obviously the highest standard you can. Yep. That that it, and of course with technology, one of the good things is, that's possible is really out. You know, having more information about outcome measures and how do we even become better therapists with the data and information um, that we can that we can use. Mm-hmm. And so all of these areas of like, how do we do it really well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and how is it, how is it like traditional therapy and, you know, how do we take the kind of techniques and, and tools and refashion them for this new environment. So we, we worked on all of those kinds of things with, of course, real case examples that mm-hmm. we would talk about every week. Yeah. I love that. Were you, um, were you thinking at the time, maybe I'm taking on too much? Well, I have my private practice here that I'm developing, and should I even get involved in another project? Um, I found the other project so satisfying and and inspiring, and the, um, so much more opportunity was there. I just kind of naturally got pulled in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I needed to make a commitment to that. Yeah. Um, it was really just feel, I didn't think I was taking, I didn't think I was taking on too much. Of course, through the course of it, it went from, you know. Yeah, like, just a little bit to, <laughs> to I, I don't but, have time to eat lunch. So, yeah. So, I mean, you talk about kind of a, a birth and it does feel like labor at times. It's very, you know, you can feel the growing of something and, and you have to, and then there's kind of a lull and then you feel another spurt of growth and then there's yep. a lull. And you have to you have to learn how to manage those feelings and thoughts and kind of the the 
sometimes you might have a sense of like, oh, all of this is going to fail horribly or what am I doing here? But those are just, most of those are based in fear. Mm-hmm. And and fear isn't something we necessarily have to um, give into, is it? Yeah. <laughs> that That's the definition of courage, right? Taking action despite the fear, not yeah. the absence of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always doubt. Mm-hmm. And fears and insecurities and things like that and and uh you just have to think about what's realistic mm. um, it's usually not your worst fear mm. yeah yeah but, i mean we know this, we know this. <laughs> mm-hmm. well and easier said than done right w- what would be your advice for therapists that especially at the beginning of their journey the professional journey after training are sometimes paralyzed by fear Right. They, for example, I see that all the time when uh, therapists join our private practice accelerator. They, uh, some of them actually have a pretty decent base for the website, but they're paralyzed by the thought of publishing it and putting it out into the world. Right? Or uh, what will happen if? What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on specific ways to work with the doubts? Yeah, I mean, I could see where you say, if I put something out in the world, if I publish my website or whatever, what if it has, what if it looks horrible? What if there's a bug? Mm-hmm. And that may very well happen. It happens all the time. Yep. And then you fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very simple. <laughs> Nicely said, Nicole. And then you fix it. Yeah, and uh-huh. you fix it. I mean, it's not like you're not going to have stumbling blocks on it on the journey you you absolutely are you're going to have people telling you that you can't possibly do it mm. or that i mean that's something that that we confronted um you know when when uh, online therapy and i look back at it and i don't want to have resentment about it but um you know originally people were saying oh this is how could you even do this it wouldn't be effective it wouldn't be mm-hmm. it's, it's not normal because it was innovative and people have a fear yep. of you know, of, of change. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, through all of the last year, it's when it's the only way you can communicate now, it's widely, widely accepted. Yeah. And it's the catch 22. People yeah. do what they're used to doing just because it was done the same way yesterday. And so just like we tell our clients, you, you know, in order for change to happen, you need to get a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though we're therapists, we're not immune to this feeling that I have to do something or I, you know, it might be in my best interest to do something, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it doesn't look pretty and it's a little messy. Yeah. Um, right. Because the greater thing is that I can then manage it. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. or get help. Nicely said. <laughs> yeah. With time, I learned to recognize that feeling, that little uh not anxiety but hesitation uh like the tightness in my stomach and the thoughts of uh maybe tomorrow as as a green light oh oh, okay this is the sign i should go for it Uh people really coil at feelings of anxiety they really seem to coil at them or want to push like this myth that we could live an anxiety free life Mm -hmm. and when you can really embrace your anxiety like that, I feel like I feel like that's what anxiety is really there to do is to help you to live, mm-hmm. help, you to, help you to go forward. 
and it, and so you just have to listen to it very carefully. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's just your body getting ready for action. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah, which is not the worst thing when you're about to take action. Uh, what were your? So we're kind of going uh, doing a quick overview of all your professional journey, and we're. Uh, still at the first year, two years of uh, your private practice and getting involved with Talkspace, what would you say were your main challenges and how you overcame them, business-wise as well? Business-wise as well, I put, originally I put too much emphasis on um, not taking care of little things that would annoy me. <laughs> Oh, okay. The operation side. The operation side, uh, operation side in mm -hmm. my private practice, you know, and in retrospect, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd change that, but I can't. Mm -hmm. This is advice for, the, <laughs> for, for other people. Yeah. Um, I wish I had taken myself. I wish I had done things like, you know, paid very good attention to my taxes and how I run my LLC, just very practical stuff. But that... Yeah as much <laughs> but it's the boring stuff right why would you focus on that when you can help people right well because <laughs> i now know because it's very important to do so you know so you know knowing that you do have to do some of the boring stuff anyway mm -hmm. to get through it is something that, that uh, i think i struggled with yeah i'm so glad that you're pointing it out because i see that both in therapists who are just starting out or uh already have even a group practice and they don't have their foundation in place so mm -hmm. in the six-figure practice program we use this model uh, the a triangle you have your operations you have your marketing and your sales right so therapists in private practice they usually focus just on the marketing part how do i get found mm -hmm. and they don't and even that part is not well thought of they usually count just on one strategy that kind of works randomly versus have a consistent stream of clients that find them but the sales part is not taken care of because well we are therapists we don't need to sell right uh mm -hmm. and the operations part is not taken care of and then uh burnout uh, mm -hmm. kicks in right it's like oh I'm spending 20 hours helping clients, so I, my dream came true and my practice is full, but 10, 10 hours, additionally, I'm doing uh, the operations part, a lot of manual labor and kind of trying to keep it all together. Uh, that's why, you know, I'll actually share something personal. When I was building our private practice accelerator, uh, I was really thinking about what's the right order for all the models. And... Like my gut feeling was we need to take care of the operations part in model one, week one. And then I was thinking, well, it's kind of boring and not exciting. I want to get, you know, people who join uh, therapists and coaches get excited, right? And start uh, finding clients as soon as possible. So I had a, a lot of back and forth with myself and I did a lot of iterations and I just decided, no, uh, yeah, it uh, feels a little bit more boring, but actually, once the operations part is done, a lot of the anxiety is taken care of because you know that when what you wish for comes true, you won't pay the price for it with a lot of manual labor. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I made a good decision with that. And uh, it's, it's great to see therapists who take their business as a business, not as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, strong foundation will serve people later. Mm -hmm. Any other challenges you're thinking of back from back in the day? Um, well, I think other than that, it wasn't so much. Well, let me think. Probably. As I look over time, one of the challenges was just really being able to be open with clients about the financial aspect of the of the working alliance and relationship. Interesting. Say more about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have trouble talking about money. And uh -huh. you mentioned the sales portion. Why would therapists need to do sales? Well, yep. because they're selling their services and it's <laughs> yeah. and I feel like it's a nasty word mm -hmm. and that there's something wrong with it mm -hmm. and you know it, it's people need to know what you're offering and, and so I think there's the part of that that's like a marketing piece that's a larger piece of sales but then actually speaking with clients about their financial lives mm -hmm. is something yeah. therapists don't do. Yeah, they, never, they don't go there. They don't go there. And it's so important because in, in your own, for your client, it's important. Mm -hmm. For your own business, it's important because it does things like manage dropout rates. Mm -hmm. of people who They don't want to tell their therapist um, some aspect of their financial life. They can't afford the fee anymore. So they just would, would leave or something like that. Yep. Whereas the more open you can be with your clients about a financial situation, the, the more you can have a better outcome and they'll probably stay longer. Yeah, I love that. And you're modeling that it's okay to talk about money. I literally have clients that would tell me about like a very deep trauma, like first session or in, in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, hold your horses. But they won't talk about money for a year if I don't go there. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like a bigger taboo than sex or uh, trauma or anything else money yes it is and yet it's something that people really struggle with i mean we know people who uh commit suicide a lot of them do so when they're in financial peril yep it's something that needs to be talked about mm -hmm. yeah many times i would offer to my client uh as a resource free financial coaching that is um for anyone who's listening it's probably available for you too in as part of the taxes you're paying to your county Right. Mm -hmm. That's usually a service that's offered for free by the county that's paid by your taxes would be good for you and would be good for your clients. And it's free, which is kind of awesome. Um, OK, so fast forward, let's say three years. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you attribute the growth of your private practice to? Maybe some specific things, uh, mindset things. Where, where were your clients uh, finding you from? Um, how were you able to grow, et cetera? Well, I don't know if the timeline is exactly like you said, but then when I decided to um, exit working for Talkspace, you know, that had been such a huge project. Mm -hmm. I had to admit my, to myself, I was a little burnt out. Yes. And I wasn't quite sure exactly what things were going to look like next. Yeah, that's a tough truth to admit to a therapist, right? It's like, oh, 
I talk to about burnout all the time with my clients, but look at myself. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you're supposed to be strong for everyone. And <laughs> exactly. I struggled with that. Of, mm-hmm. of, I am a very strong person. That doesn't, yeah. mean, that doesn't mean that you can't suffer from burnout a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and so I needed to take, I kind of fought that feeling. I didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. Same thing. I don't want to admit it. And, and then, but but once I did, that mm-hmm. was a good thing. Mm-hmm. I could take a little, I could give myself a little bit of grace, take a little bit of time, mm-hmm. think about what I wanted to focus on next. I love that. So actually, a part of your growth was de-escalating the growth, right? Kind yeah. of slowing down and asking yourself the important questions. Really important questions. Yeah. Right? And yeah. what were your answers that you found? You know, I, I think a question was, should I just go out and get some other time? You know, what should my career look like now? And you uh-huh. know, lots of decision-making over, you know, things like, well, would I want to move from where I live now? And, you know, because there's, this is not a valley where I live, <laughs> you know, uh, what is my life going to look like? And should I just get a, should I just really scale down to something and be employed by someone? Should I continue? Should I start getting patients uh, in person again? Um, because it had been a while since I'd seen in-person patients and, and uh, after a lot of reflection, I mean, I, I found out, you know, to really embrace what I enjoy. And one of the things is I see clients from all over the world, mm-hmm. English speaking, but from different countries. And I really enjoy that work mm-hmm. tremendously. It gives me satisfaction. And, um, and so I wanted to embrace that more. Mm-hmm. I had one project I was working on that I decided I'm just going to put it on hold. It was a personal project. And I said, I'm just going to put it on hold for a while. I'm just going to let it sit. And mm-hmm. I will beat myself up about it. Yeah. Um, and, and see what happens there. And then I did a little, uh, I did some projects with some other startups. And, um, you know, they're not always, I had to confront this, um, the, the fact, you know, that they're not all going to be as successful as each other, because I'm not the only person driving it, of course, but, but would they be satisfying and would I be able to help mm. in some way? And so I, I kind of grappled with that. And what I really learned is that I, I enjoy the individual sessions with clients just more than any other part of my, any other part of it. That's what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. It's interesting. It kind of flips, right? At the beginning, when you're just starting out, your goal, in a way, is to say ev- uh, yes to everything, right? Okay, I'm going to try this thing, going to try this thing. But the more you grow, the more successful you become. Whatever success means to you, you start, it's kind of like your responsibility, my responsibility is to start saying yes. Uh, sorry, say no to more and more projects, potential clients whatever. So I, I need to be really, really clear on my priorities. And sounds like your main priority was, well, what do I actually enjoy the most? Kind of yeah. as simple as that. It is very much, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, because I am definitely a yes person. And I think a lot of therapists and helpers. Of course. 
you know, they want to say yes because they want to help people. Exactly. Have to have this. There does come a time when you really have to use your nose wisely, mm-hmm. and that was that was a little bit challenging for mm. me. And yet, it is a marker of some success. Yeah, it is. It's a quality problem to have, right? I see that with, uh, you know, after a few uh, months to a year, the therapist in our, uh, and coaches in our program, they feel their practices, right? Whatever full it means to them, usually it's 20 to 30 clients uh, a week. And then uh, they have a high quality problem. Well, how, what, what, where do I go from here? And I think it's a wonderful next stage in your development, which usually involves either some group work or scaling down, setting like very clear bound, non-negotiable boundaries. Okay, more than for, for myself, for example, no more than 20 hours a week of private practice, just nothing more than that. Um, or online products or doing some consulting work, like you got involved with a lot of projects and uh, or hiring a team or hiring uh, or creating a group practice. And you, it's interesting, usually it's the things that got therapists to that, let's say, for the sake of measuring it, let's say 100K a year revenue, just as a, uh, as a way to measure it. What got them there is usually what's gonna stop them from getting to the next level, whatever their next level is, right? Which is trying to do everything on your own. Right, mm-hmm. saying yes to everything and just counting on yourself to do it all. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you think about that? I I, I can completely agree with that, and I see that clearly in business. That yes, 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 and it it is like it's building, it's building. You can feel the pressure, and you know you have to switch something. Mm-hmm. There is a, there is this time when it seems like it's. You've grown and now it seems like it's falling. It, it could seem like it's mm-hmm. falling apart or it's going to come off the rails. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily. Exactly. Not necessarily. Unless not, you keep on doing the same thing. And yeah, then it might. The same thing. And then you have to, you just have to really think clearly then. And you have to realize that it's a good problem. Mm-hmm. You haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just the opposite. You actually did some You're really good work. Something right. But uh-huh. what? If to look like now because it can't you know it's going to evolve at some point mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna it's not gonna stay just by the nature of the business it's not gonna stay stagnant like that it's a moving thing mm-hmm. so you have to make those decisions and i mean obviously hiring someone and and making a group practice is very different than some other avenue you may take like doing group work yep so you really have to be thoughtful about what is what do you want your life to look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you want your working life to look like? And and those bigger questions of well, really, how do I define success? Mm-hmm. That's making then even more money, or is it being content with what I have and just keep you know uh, being content with what I have and what I do and scaling back a little bit and maintaining. Yeah, that's a great question. And how do you know? What would be your advice for therapists that maybe suffer from the dichotomy of I either help people or I either charge for my services? 
and sometimes, you know, neglect that part of their business. Not necessarily, you know, doing just pro bono, but maybe uh, being underpaid, right? Or not taking care of, you know, charging people upfront or not upholding their boundaries with late cancellations, like one hour before the session. It's really helping people. It's really helping your clients to have these conversations and for them to value you. Um, there's, there's lessons there about how we value each other. And it, it's just so critical to talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. our, client, our clients themselves have a lot of um, concerns often. Yep. Boundaries in their own life. And so if you look at it from a point of view that you're really modeling good behavior for them, mm um then it, it creates a sense of security in the mm -hmm. relationship and it, it ends up being more i know the fear is there but it ends up being more manageable when mm -hmm. you bring it to light yeah yeah really and and uh you know not the the harsh realities of life is that not everyone can afford um you know $100, $200 an hour for a therapist. That may mm -hmm. be true. And that people's financial situations change. But also, I don't know how many times I've seen this story where, uh, you know, you have a client that's complaining about your fee, which is rather low, let's uh -huh. say, and they're complaining about it. And then in the next session, they're talking about, you know, I went on this vacation somewhere. Or yep. Restaurant, and mm. as a therapist, you hear that, and you can't help but think to yourself, "Well, if they can afford all of these other things, mm -hmm. what is this that they can't? Is it not value?" And then you have to look into yourself and say, "Well, I'm, how valuable is my service?" Good point. You know, I mean, people will pay. I don't know. It, it depends. A lot of money to get their hair or nails done quite often, and it's a you know. Or, a gym membership is something to look at. You know, I mean, people pay for services for, for personal services all the time. Yes. And it, it really strikes me that therapists don't value their personal mm. service more when they are also legitimate healthcare providers. Exactly right. So what's that about? <laughs> I wish I knew what it was about. Mm. I think, you know, for myself, when I, I remember I went in, uh, I entered the hospital. Oops, sorry. No worries. I went into a, for me, what it's about is I could recall going into the hospital where I worked as an intern. Uh-huh. And this was before I graduated um, with my master's. And I did a year internship in a hospital. Yep. And my, for free. Right. I didn't get paid for the internship and mm -hmm. I actually paid revision. So I'm paying yep. to, <laughs> I'm yeah. paying I paid my, for my internship too. And I loved it. I uh -huh. absolutely loved every moment of it. It was, it taught me, it was satisfying, but I, it also sent some kind of a message. I remember talking to my supervisor and him saying, you don't get into this profession for the money. Oh yeah, uh, that, that, that's a dangerous message. And it was a really dangerous message. It's yeah. not like, it, it's. I would be scared if that's, that would be the only reason 
uh, that you know someone goes into being therapist just the money right but mm-hmm. like pushing this idea away that you need to be paid for you know your time and effort that that's kind of ridiculous especially usually when you know putting 100k into three years of education plus living expenses plus the sunk cost of not working full-time for those three years mm-hmm. um yeah you this message and you know for therapists that feel um i don't know i guess weird about charging i don't i don't know why you would i mean you're a professional but you know I have often said to my clients, because it's a caring profession, you have a relationship with someone. So it, it, you know, if you're a good therapist, you really do care. But one, and I'm sure other people have heard this before, they're not necessarily paying for your caring, they're paying for your time. And you're taking an hour out of your day or however long your sessions are, and it's the time they're paying for. Mm-hmm. And usually they're paying for years, not even an hour, right? Within yeah. that hour, you're using skills that you and experience um, that you've been acquiring for years. Yes, absolutely, and and your fee should be reflective of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's fo- fast forward to today. What are the projects you're involved with today, or are you doing just one-on-one therapy? How does your week look like? Um. Well, I feel I'm fielding offers. I've got some some meetings set up recently um, with some other startups. Uh, uh-huh. Talk about consulting projects, and those usually, you know, they're not long term things. I usually help in one area. Yeah, that's exciting. You get in, you get out. Yeah, I get in, I get out, and that's nice because I can manage it. I set a little bit of time aside for that, and then the rest of it right now is individual one on one clients. So mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I think in the future, it's, I know it's going to look different in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm focusing, uh, a project I did put aside for a while was writing and I'm doing that now. Oh, beautiful. And, You're writing your book? Mm-hmm, yeah. And it, but it's, you know, it, it was a long journey. It, it's, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> terrible, horrible, heartache. Yeah. Why would people do that? Why would anyone do that to yeah. themselves? I have two books, like ready, like one is edited and one is like, I'm going over the last edit and it's like, ah, just putting the period on it and getting it published already. Uh, and I've had, I've had friends, you know, it's nice to have writer friends because like, you know, they may submit a manuscript and then it doesn't get published or something like that and you realize you're not alone. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. is a, it really is a joy. Yeah. What is your book about? I'm curious. Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> therapy, of course. Of uh-huh. course. Yeah, that, that, that's a good subject for a therapist to write about. But it's, it's something I worked on for a long time, and I really did just have to put it away for a while because yeah. um, it just didn't suit me to. That was actually when you talked about that question of like, uh, what do I do next? Kind yes. Of a, I, that was one of my things I had to say, not a yes or a no. I had to say not yet because mm-hmm. I didn't want to give up on it. But I also knew that right now other things took precedent in my life. Yeah. And, and you know, people have families other than just your work. Mm-hmm. You have your families, you have, um, 
your other interests and things. And therapists have to know how to, like, you can't just work all the time. You have to have a, a balanced life in order mm -hmm. to have a long career. Yeah, I love that. And mm -hmm. it's it's so different, that, like, having a shelf for things that are just not a priority right now versus you know, not finishing your website, same example, because you get scared a little bit, right? Very different things, right? By decision or by impulse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, over the years, I'll do little things like, um, I keep I keep calendar, a paper calendar, weekly mm -hmm. day minder. Yep. And I've kept one for every year. And I can go back and I can reflect and see what what kind of things look like. Same thing with like uh, your tax records, or you can go back over time sometimes, like a diary, and look back and see your growth over time and how you made those decisions, or if mm -hmm. they were impulsive. I love it. Uh, what would be your advice for a therapist or even a coach who's thinking how to start a private practice? I, what would be my advice for someone is how to start a private practice. Well, I mean, obviously you help people <laughs> with that. And um, I, I think just initially doing the research, mm -hmm. but not doing too much research, you could get lost. Just oh, good point. Googling. And, and uh, with all the types of choices you have to make, you know, it can be very overwhelming. And I would say, make a choice and carry it out and don't question it all the time. Mm -hmm. If it's not a good choice, guess what? You get to make more choices, mm -hmm. you know? But to, to, to kind of stay stagnant, wondering if I should or if I shouldn't, if I should, that gets, that is like, the worst. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm a couples therapist. I see that as the biggest problem with couples when they're on the fence. Should I stay or should I leave? Right. And then they're not invested in their relationship and they're not living either. Right. So it's this limbo that creates suffering, really. It really is. It's a purgatory. And mm -hmm. even if you made the worst choice, mm -hmm. it would lead you in a direction and you could yes. make an or you could repair it. You could do something. Mm. But sit in that what should i do mode next mm -hmm. it is a true 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 purgatory yeah i i love that it's uh, the danger of the illusion that uh planning equals execution right it's not you, when you're planning and researching you're not doing even if though you if you're spending hours and hours reading articles uh, it doesn't get you like even uh, one step closer to your private practice. I, I love what you said about like do some initial research, but it's just like one small step to start with and then just start doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It has to be, it has to be that way. And, and, to, and just starting somewhere because it, yeah. should I start with marketing? Should I start with, you know, some sort of sales or should I, do something mm -hmm. in the right direction. If you're moving in the right direction, you're moving. Yeah, I love that.
it's an it's interesting i don't know if it's related but uh yesterday i heard just like some different inspirational you know uh talks about starting your business and uh dana white who is uh uh the kind of the owner of uh ufc mixed martial arts like some yeah, brutal sport right he was using the same words that you just used right just start do something fail continue right so it's interesting, right? The same thing works for therapy, private practice, as it works for, you know, uh, mixed martial arts, uh, fighting in a ring. Uh, just do uh, something, learn from it and continue. Well, Nicole, what would be your uh, tip for someone who already filled their practice? And they're thinking, well, where do I go from here? I kind of achieved what I wanted to at the beginning. I have more than enough clients. I know that I have incoming stream of clients constantly, but uh, should I just keep at it or should I start something new? What would be your advice for that stage? Hmm. I think my advice might depend on the person because once you get that geared up feeling of growing, some people will just keep going full blast uh -huh. and, and just... And, and that can get a little hairy. I think um, for, for someone who's already grown their practice, I think at some point they need to stop and ask themselves that question about success and what it what that really means to them. Yes. Um, I think one thing that, that's a tool that sometimes I use is to, you know, when I think of my career, I used to make decisions about like, well, what do I do in the short? I had, I had more short-term thinking as to how to get through the next year or whatever. I think looking and saying, well, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. what, what do I expect this to be like mm -hmm. uh, 20 years from now? Do I ever want to retire? I mean, personally, I don't. Yeah. But Who wants that? I, I really yeah. don't. Yeah, exactly. Some people do want to mm -hmm. retire. Or, you know, the, I think looking at, at these at both the short and long term, when you're thinking about growing to the next stage, where do you want to be? As opposed, I mean, because when you're just building at the beginning, mm -hmm. you're pretty clear. You, you've got, you set your foundation and you just need to build, get clients or, you know, like it, yeah. it's clear. When you get to that stage where what do I do next? Mm -hmm. I think you do have to look at the bigger picture the long-term, what you want your life to look like. Yeah, nicely said. Nicole, thank you so much for this interview. Very inspiring. If um, anyone who listens or watches this interview wants to uh, contact you, either they want to hire you as a consultant or ask you questions, how do they find you and how do they contact you? Well, right now, since I'm very quiet, uh -huh. uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or via my email address, mm -hmm. which I don't know if you put it in the. So it would be on the pot as a podcast episodes, which is also so some people would be just listening to it. So if you can spell how they find you, that would be awesome. E N I C O L E Amesbury A M E S B U R Y at gmail.com. That is, I, that Could is you repeat that again? Uh, yeah. I think it was cut out for a second. It's D 
N-I-C-O-L-E-A-M-E-S-B-U-R-Y at gmail.com. So Wonderful. And my name, Nicole Amesbury at Gmail. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much, too. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, me too.